This is Carl the Jackal Frampton. Hi, this is David Healy. Hello, this is Stephen Ferris. Hi, I'm Bethany Ferris. Hi, this is Joey Barton. I'm Jonas Gutierrez. Hi, this is Harry Kewell. And you're, you're listening, listening to, to The Score. score. The Score with Michael Clark. I'm a man. I'm a man. Hello and welcome along to The Score with me, Michael Clark. And what a programme we have for you today. A star-studded panel returning Northern Ireland boss Michael O'Neill on the show in just a matter of moments. We will also be getting reaction to the big news that he is back from sports journalist Keith Bailey. We will be talking about Ballymena United. Have they turned a corner? They got a huge win against Cliftonville last weekend. Can they keep it up? It's Portadown for them next. Josh Kelly is on the show. And from the championship, Ard's boss Matthew Tipton, his striker, one player of the month. Will he be able to keep a hold of him? He's only on loan. After all, Adam Sally is getting a bit of attention. And Ard's seem to be doing rightly under the radar. How long will that last for? All that and more right here on The Score. The Score with Michael Clark. Before we get into our big interview to kick us off this week, let us first take a look at the matches happening in the top flight of the Irish League. One Friday night game for you, Coleraine against Crusaders, which is being shown by the BBC. That's at the Coleraine Showgrounds. On Saturday, four matches taking place. Dungannon Swifts against Carrick Rangers. Glen Torren face Glenavon. Larne host Newry City. And Portadown welcome Ballymena United to Shamrock Park. Cliftonville and Linfield are not in action that match postponed as Linfield are away in Edinburgh playing Kelty Hearts in the SPFL Trust Trophy. The score with Michael Clark. Now, Northern Ireland fans may well feel that Christmas has come early after it was confirmed on Wednesday that Michael O'Neill had returned as Northern Ireland international manager. I went along to the press conference and we spoke afterwards, but I will confess, for the first time that I have been doing this job all those years ago, I feared we were going to let you down with the interview after a technical issue meant the recording had been compromised. However, as a mark of the man, and I'm very grateful to him, I have to say, he's on the programme now, saving the day already, Michael, thank you. Thanks, Michael, no problem at all. (laughs) It's great to be talking to you again, I didn't imagine uh, quite so soon, I'm sure you didn't either, but... um, what tempted you back into the job? It's the big question, really. Was there any reservations at all about coming back? I think, look, I would be, you know, I wouldn't be 100% honest if I said there was no reservations. There's always reservations, I think, before you make any decision, uh, particularly in football, when you when you make a move and you go somewhere else. Um, but, you know, I just felt that, you know, having taken time out from uh, Stoke City, where, you know, I, I, where I left three months ago, uh, gives you time to reflect on what you want to do next. Do you want to go back into the club game, and uh, you know what comes with that, and uh, or, or you know if an opportunity came up in the international game, would that appeal to me more? And certainly, obviously, coming back to Northern Ireland was was a huge was a huge draw. So I, I didn't have to think long and hard about it. You know, it had to be right for me, which I believe it is, and obviously right for my family, and and but also right for the association. You know, I think that was important as well, and. Had conversations with, you know, a number of the senior players as well, and you know that gave me, you know, I think a good feeling about the opportunity, and uh, yeah, so it was in the end, it was quite a straightforward decision to make. So was that Stephen Davis? Don't retire, otherwise I'm saying no. <laughs> well, not quite that, not quite, <laughs> but yeah, but like I, with you know, obviously I had a long-standing relationship with, with Stephen. He was my captain for for the eight years that I was in charge so yeah clearly we had conversations and we'd had conversations in general over you know since, since I had departed you know we'd, we'd kept in touch and you know spoken to the likes of him and, and, and Johnny Evans in particular and uh, so yeah they, they were positive conversations so that always helps with any decision you have to make How important is it to, to keep those experienced players on and, and how much of I guess the, the short term in your job do you see that as being 
one of the main objectives, making sure you have that nucleus of players that have been there and done it to help bring the newer players along? Yeah, I think in, in the in the short term, which is clearly you know the qualification for for Euro twenty twenty four, those players are, are going to be vital, and and you know there's a number of players that have are still there from two thousand and sixteen, um, and and so they know how I work, they know you know what I expect from them as well, and I think they'll they'll be you know the core of what the challenge to qualify for twenty twenty four, going forward then obviously the their influence is very important on the younger players and uh, there's a number of younger players around the squad now um, many of them were known to me they were possibly in the under 19s or under 21s or some even younger at that point in time I think Connor Bradley was in, in the Club NI programme at the time which is now JD Sports Academy so I, I, I was well aware of them you know but I, I think for this first phase of the job which is the aim of trying to qualify you know the senior players are going to be vitally important, and then there's there's the phase of then obviously, you know, um, going forward and, and developing the squad as well. I thought it was fitting the other day that we were sitting chatting in the Billy Bingham Lounge. Everything Billy won in it and did in his career. Uh, obviously, we sadly lost him earlier this year. Um, but if ever a man showed an example of what could be done in your second stint, it was Billy. Yeah, look, Billy. Billy was a, a fantastic manager for, for Northern Ireland. You know, there's no doubt about that. And and uh, you know, I, it was only like in the second phase to, to go to the two World Cups and what they achieved with that group of players, a fantastic group of players. And you know, I played under myself as 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 that group of players. The transition from that group of players into the squad that we had, and we probably as a squad felt we should have done better as a group of players at times. I think you know, with them than what we did and. Uh, but it was it was nice to be there, and and you're right, you know, Billy Billy's I think managed Northern Ireland, I think it's 112 times, so um, I'm on 72 I think at this minute in time. So um, it would be nice to certainly try and get to the point where you've managed your country over 100 times, and that's a, a little personal goal that I have as well. Well, Northern Ireland fans will be hoping that you see that and surpass it. It's a five and a half year deal, Michael. Um, what do you think is a realistic? Uh, goal that you can achieve in that time I think you know first of all it shows great commitment from the association to me which which is very important when you're coming into a position like this and obviously you know there's commitment from my end as well I I had signed you know previously um, a long term contract which uh, you know always had uh, you know uh, exits for both parties and but 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 in in this situation now you know the most important thing I think is that we're always competitive. We've always got the opportunity to, to not always qualify because that's always going to be very difficult. But you know at least aspire and believe that we can. And uh, I think I think the biggest thing for me after 2016 was that the way we we approached the next campaign and the subsequent campaign after that where we we were knocking on the door again and um, that's something that we have to consistently try to do so that would be my objective and and you know from from you know the bigger picture is obviously to continue to try and progress you know international football in Northern Ireland and hopefully you know assist in any way with with any other areas of football in Northern Ireland that I can I can be of help. Do you need patience from supporters? Is it unrealistic to think you're going to hit the ground running? I guess the way that you left the the team the last time, um, you know, you had to work through an awful lot, and you were under so much pressure when you started in the job. I think it's nearly a testament to how well you did that people forget that the start was so difficult. Yeah, it was very difficult at the start. You know, the team was not in a very good place when I took the job, and I think there was, you know, a lack of belief a little bit of a lack of commitment in, in certain areas as well because there was had been disappointing results so I, I think that um, the expectations of, it's good that the expectations are there because it'll bring an edge to the players you know and uh, that's that's extremely important you know we have a group which is um, I think people think the draw has been favorable to us which if we're 100% honest it has been we could have had you know a tougher group in terms of the nations that we have to play for uh, 2024 but it'll be extremely competitive because those nations will see this as a great opportunity for themselves as well so for me look it's really important we try and hit the ground running um, I, I, I think that we need a you know a positive start to any campaign changes 
the the campaign completely, and that's what we'll be aiming to do. You know, come March, we we only have three days preparation coming into the initial game at San Marino, and then the home game against Finland. There'll be you know a, a quick turnaround, so it's not like we're going to have any matches leading into that or training camps or anything like that. We don't have the the scope to do that with the with the domestic game uh, fixture list. So it'll be very challenging that part, but we have to make sure that we're ready to play uh, come March. It's incredible to think that that is your preparation for it in many ways. I mean, how do you achieve it? Is it just get them in three days and hope for the best isn't quite what I mean, but you understand what I'm saying? Well, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a bit trying to be consistent, really, and, and um, probably, you know, the fact that a lot of the players will be used to working with me is probably an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, had someone else come in, it maybe would have been more challenging for them. I think we're going to have to do a lot of, uh, you know, preparatory work before we come in, which maybe will, you know, using video and the information that we give to the players coming into the first camp will, will be vital as well. There's a lot to cover off over those three days, and obviously we still, we have to travel on one of those days as well. So those are all little challenges. But having done that over eight years, I'm kind of you know pretty comfortable with that. I've done it before. I kind of know what works and what doesn't work. And uh, you know I'll I'll go back on the experiences I had and and hopefully put them to good use in terms of the preparation uh, for for these opening games. How has the Stoke City experience shaped you? Has it changed you at all as a manager? I think I think you change yeah continually in football. You have to. I think probably um, it was a challenging job, and I, I knew it would be when I went into it. And, and probably from the outside, you never really know what a club is like till till you go through the door. And uh, it was probably in a in a more difficult position than I I thought it was at that point in time. But I think overall, you know the remit I was given we achieved a lot we just were a little bit short and pushing the team closer to becoming you know uh, a promotion based team for the Premier League and it, I still believe that that takes more time than we were given in that situation um, but I think yeah, you learn patience um, you learn obviously continually dealing with players um, slightly different dealing with players at club level as the international level but yeah, I, I think you know probably if anything I'm probably a little bit more um, balance and a little bit more patient as a manager than possibly I was when I was in the job. You won't miss your door being knocked every two or three days then? No, that's a different, <laughs> yeah, a different, yeah, and I have conversations with agents and the different, it's just a different kind of, uh, I think, relationship you have with, with a club player as opposed to obviously the relationship you have with an international player. You know, I always felt that, you know, it was important as an international manager that the players saw me as you know some form of support that I was there as help them and assist them you know throughout their club careers because they will have difficult times throughout their club careers as well and um, you know it was something actually that Billy Bingham was a great support to me when I had difficult times um, in my club career so I suppose that's something that you know I've taken from how he, he managed me as a player and how I managed the current squad. Well I'm very grateful for your time just finally um 20 years ago this week you were also at Windsor Park at that time you were winning the League Cup with Glen Torin I just wonder have you any memories of that final against Linfield yeah I do it was it was uh, it was a very good night we, we had come but I think it was the first trophy of the season and uh, it was my first season back in the Irish League actually you know I'd, I'd been away playing in England and Scotland for the best part of 16 or 17 years so finishing my career with Glen Torin was was a really enjoyable part of my career we had a very successful team uh, we won three of the four trophies that year and were beaten in the Irish Cup final but that night in particular was a good night we played very well and uh, yeah it was, it was a, a great experience and, and always nice to win a trophy which you know up until that point I, I had only won one trophy previously with Coleraine which was you know I think 20 years previous so it was nice yeah oh fantastic memories I'm sure and you know maybe there's a young striker you could call up Michael Halliday he's still going yeah, well, my, Michael had the knack of scoring in big games, so I, I believe he is still playing. So that that's testament to his uh, dedication and love of the game as well. Um, whilst Michael might not be expecting his phone to ring, and not, not to be disrespectful to him, um, could a few players that haven't been in the picture, um, you know, maybe expect a, a chance to come back, or is that even something you're exploring, whether it be Norwood or Boyce or, or someone like that? I think those are conversations that you know 
need to take place. You need you need to find out why why players have made the decisions that they've made. Um, it doesn't mean that they'll change those decisions because there's a change of manager. Um, there's a lot of demands on players now with uh, you know club football and international football, and players get to different stages of their career with you know maybe have young families and different situations mm-hmm. that. They feel that you know being away for international football, which is a can be anything up to you know ten days at times. It it, it is challenging, and uh, but certainly you know my job is to try and make it you know as inclusive for everyone as possible to that we have as strong a squad as possible. So the people who have maybe not been available or made themselves unavailable, obviously, I'll be keen to try and have them involved as much as possible as well. Okay, well, 15 weeks. Uh, have a great Christmas and then I suppose get stuck right back into it. Uh, well, yeah, I've, I've already done that. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm starting to go to games and watch the lads again. And uh, it's a busy period over Christmas. And uh, so yeah, it'll be, I know what the job entails. There's a lot of miles to be done, a lot of driving up and down the, the M6 to see games. <laughs> but uh, I'm looking forward to it. Tell you what, though, there's uh, there's fewer better things, is there really? When you get to go to football matches, watch players and manage your country, and to be invited back to do it a second time tells you you did it right the last time, Michael. So uh, congratulations, uh, great to see you back, and best of luck for it. Thanks very much, Michael. The score with Michael Clark. Well, that is what the international manager says about his return. A lot of people excited by it. Uh, interested to hear what our local journalists think. Joining us on the line now to discuss the return of Michael O'Neill as Northern Ireland boss is Belfast Telegraph sports journalist Keith Bailey. Keith, good to have you on the score once again. No worries, Michael. Good to be here. We were both there on Wednesday at Windsor Park for the worst-kept secret to be confirmed. Michael O'Neill back. And a lot of very happy fans. Um, They haven't... Um, hidden behind the sofa or anything at all. They've been very quick to come onto social media and, and shout from the rooftops about their high hopes and all the rest of it. Had to be said, Michael was in good form too. Yeah, he was in good form. I mean, I think that was one of the things that was most striking for uh, about the, the press conference. I mean, he spent a lot of time with the media. There was, I think, the, the first uh, part of the press conference, the open part, was was just over half an hour and then he spent nearly an hour with written journalists and then he did you know numerous uh, broadcast interviews after that I mean it was it was a couple of hours maybe three hours in total and he was throughout you know seemed clearly very happy to be there uh, pleased that he's the manager of Northern Ireland once again seemed very comfortable optimistic positive um, and you know and what's always most impressive about Michael O'Neill is, is how intelligently he speaks and how he has clear thought processes and um, he's a great advocate for the game in Northern Ireland and it, it felt right, it felt good to have him back. And he faced some tough questions as always, as would be expected. The Kyle Lafferty question, will he be a, a part you know, going forwards? He talked about um, other players that have been on the fringes or have just refused to be a part of the international setup in recent times. Uh, how do you think he handled some of those questions that were bound to be asked? I mean, I think there was a, an element of, of buying time there, wasn't there? You know, he, he probably hasn't had every conversation that he needs to have. Um, different players are in different positions in their career. There's question marks over a number. You, you've got the Michael Smiths and the invoices of this world who, you know, still have maybe a little bit of time on their side, could, could come back in and, and feature and play games. Um, you know, even Oliver Norwood was was asked about um, in the written conference, which I think would be very unlikely for him to come back. But you know, the, there's those type of players, and then you've got the other ones who are still with the squad: Steve Davis, Johnny Evans, um, and and Kyle Lafferty. Obviously, again, Kyle's circumstances are slightly different, but you know, those three, and, and you would wonder whether they'll continue or not. But there, are, you know, there are a number of different conversations that he has to have, um, and, and rather than Rather than kind of commenting too heavily on each one individually, he he kind of gave the approach of well, we'll have to sit down and talk to them. But he, you know, he was effusive in his praise for Steve Davis, um, even more so perhaps for Johnny Evans. So I think it's very clear that he would still like those two to be part of his plans going forward. Certainly for for the two games in March. So you know, I think there were there were signs there that he wants. He's certainly not going to come in and say, well, listen. Player X and Player Y are past their best, and 
and it's time for him to step aside. And he, he didn't do that. He, he wants to keep everybody involved. It was notable how often he, he used the phrase senior players and talked about the senior players. And, and by that, you know, he, he, he is talking about Davis. He's talking about the Evans brothers and, and uh, you know, the likes of Al McGinn and so forth. And he wants to keep those guys involved. There's no sense of him, you know, bringing in the young young lads completely at, at the expense of those ones. So, you know, it's, it's clear that that uh, he wants to keep people on side. So people are feeling confident at the moment, but is there a need for realism? And, and what does that look like if if it is required at this point in time from supporters looking at Michael and the job he has to do? Well, you know, Michael was, was very optimistic. He, we asked about the group. Um, you know, he, he accepted that it was a kinder draw than perhaps Northern Ireland have got in the past. His last group that he had included... Uh, the Netherlands and Germany, and it's a it's a much kinder uh, draw than that, much more favourable draw. Um, but you know there was a warning in the midst of that. He spoke about how just because a team has had a bad tournament like Denmark, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be a poor team uh, in the, the upcoming campaign. And, and you know, the same probably applies to the likes of Finland and, and Kazakhstan, who, who obviously didn't qualify for the last tournament. But just because they didn't do so well last time doesn't mean they might not improve. For this time, but it is a group that realistically gives us some hope. But I think we need we need to be careful and remember that that we have a squad that is unfortunately lacking in quality. I mean, the obvious comparison to to do is to go back and talk about the previous time Michael took over in 2011. And if we're being honest, um, although that squad had done poorly under Nigel Worthington and the results were not great, and, and continued to be relatively poor in Michael's first campaign. You still had a number of players there who were Premier League players around their peak years. I'm thinking of Evans, I'm thinking of Davis, and you know even Chris Bird and Gareth McCauley. You know we don't have that same sort of quality at this moment in time. Um, so I think the reality is, uh, while this is a good draw, I think you have to. And we've got a great manager now, which I'm not sure we have previously. I think we need to be realistic and recognise that that it's still going to be right. I feel the to get into the top two in that group. And there are still people out there and they have the right to question Michael O'Neill coming back. Some people say, is he coming back because he didn't have a better option? Other people just think you should never go back. Um, Would you subscribe to that? Do you think there's a big risk being taken here either by the IFA or by Michael O'Neill in returning after leaving on such good terms previously? I mean, it's cliche nonsense, isn't it? That idea that you never go back. Well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. You know, there's no reason why just because you've been successful in the past and you come back doesn't mean you can't be successful a sec- the second time. It doesn't mean it doesn't guarantee success, but nor does it guarantee failure. It's, it's a it's an open book. It's a new chapter and, and anything could realistically happen. Um, I think the fact of the matter is Michael O'Neill was the best available manager of the candidates for Northern Ireland. So he's the right person for the job. Obviously, Billy Bingham did very well in his second spell. It's something that Michael played under. Now, again, that doesn't mean that Michael do well just because Billy did in the past. But the fact that he was previously a manager of Northern Ireland is no barrier to success in the second time. Um, it's kind of a bizarre take on things when people say things like that. It's just kind of kind of cliched um, in terms of of of. From his perspective, you know, people saying that he's only there because he's no better offer. Well, isn't that true of everybody in every job? You know, maybe <laughs> we'd maybe all like a, a, a bigger job and more wages somewhere else. Um, but we work in the, the field that we're in. Um, no, I think Michael O'Neill is very happy to be the North Island manager. You could tell, um, you could tell by how he was interacting with people. Um, at the press conference, uh, I think it's a job that suits him in many ways. It's you know, he's he's well paid for it. it. It gives him a fair amount of free time with his family. It um, It's a type of football that I think suits his style, his more methodical style. You know, in something like the championship, generally two games a week, that's hard going. Michael's a man of details. International football has a lot of preparation time. Um, in terms of, you know, the time that he has to look at, at teams and opposition, um, I think that suits him, gives him time to formulate plans. Um, so I think there's a lot about it that suits Michael O'Neill. I think he'll feel very comfortable in the job. And I see no reason why it can't be a, another a success once again. Well, the optimism is certainly palpable at the moment. You can feel that. And 
Michael himself uh, sort of eased into the day, didn't he? He admitted that he was nervous at the start of things, which um, I think is always nice when people tell you that uh, because you, you can kind of forget there's a human at the other side of that interview because you're, you're going and you're talking to the next manager of Northern Ireland and someone that we're familiar with. But uh, he actually said he felt more nervous at the start of the press conference than he did the first time around, which amazed me, but but fair enough. I'm not sure I entirely believed him on that one. I thought he looked quite comfortable and quite <laughs> and quite happy. Um, I can remember back to 2011. It's funny seeing the photographs of it. He does look quite young in it. Yeah. Um, he had a lot less experience then. He's only 53 um, so, now, I remember, just for anyone yeah, that, that doesn't course. know what age he is. 53 is quite young for an international manager. Yeah. Often international managers are, are, you know, men in their 60s or, or whatnot. Um, maybe that's changing when you look at the World Cup with so, Alexis Southgate doing well. Um, but, uh, no, I don't really think he was that nervous. I think he's dealt with, he knows every face in the room practically. Um, he dealt with it very well. I think he's got a pretty clear idea of what he wants to do. And he's just, he's just, at the moment this week, he will be just going through all the tasks he has to do, taking them off one by one. So, I think he's more than happy. And last one on the international scene. Do you think qualification is within Northern Ireland's reach? Is it an objective that they have some chance of attaining, apart from the fact that anyone has a chance being in any competition? I mean, listen, if, he, if I'm being completely honest, I don't think Northern Ireland will qualify for the next European Championships. I don't think we've got a good enough squad to do it. And I think that would be true whether it was Ian Barkoff, Michael O'Neill or Pep Guardiola in charge. I just think that's that's probably the reality of it. I do think this group gives us an outside chance and if everything went right for us, and let's be honest, in the, the run to Euro 2016, everything did kind of go right. You know, every other team was sacking their manager. Um, you know, if everything went well for us, uh, then there, there is a possibility. But I think we need to be aware that Denmark are certainly a much better team than us and they're a much better team than what they showed at the World Cup. And, you know, Slovenia and Finland are both ranked above us at the moment. We've been poor recently. Um, a lot, Some of it, a fair amount of it, was down to the manager, but not all of it. Some of it's down to, to the lack of quality that we have at the moment. Um, so I, I think that we can qualify, but I, I would, you know, if, uh, if I had the bet, I would say the chances are we probably won't. But let's enjoy the ride, eh? Yeah, it's interesting, um, you know, how much of football people can put down to a manager as well because, you know, you can always make that argument. You put the players out there and, and it's up to them to, to show up as well. I, I wonder how much the personnel will change under Michael O'Neill. There's only so much, you know, in Northern Ireland teams' personnel can change, really. You know, we don't have a massive pool of, of talent. And again, it wouldn't really matter who your manager was. You know, the playing pool is going to be the same. Um, Michael will have his own ideas and maybe change drop a couple and bring a couple in that, that me and Barakoff wouldn't have, but you'd probably find that, you know, of a 25-man squad, 21 or 22 of them would be the same, regardless of what manager picked the, picked the team. I think that's just just the way it is for Northern for a country of our size. Um, and listen, I do think managers are massively influential, massively important, particularly in international football. Um, tactics are, are a really key part of the international game and style of play. Um, so Michael can definitely have a positive impact and improve us. It's just whether or not that's enough to qualify. Mm, interesting. Okay, let's move away from uh, the international setup then and talk about the Irish Cup. In case you missed the round five draw, just to quickly run you through it: Moyola Park at home against Glen Torren, Dundella versus Cliftonville Crusaders against Dergview, Newry City have drawn Harland and Wolf Welders, Balna Mallard are against Glenavon. An all-premiership tie in Carrick Rangers versus Ballymena United. We'll hear from Ballymena United's Josh Kelly a little while on the programme. Institute play Annie United. Portadown are at home to Bambridge Town. Larne face Crumlin United. What a draw for Crumlin United. Knock Breda against St Mary's YC. Bangor have Tandergee Rovers. Newington face Ballymoney United. Coleraine are at home against Loch Gall. That's a tasty one. Uh, Ballyclare Comrades have Dollingstown. Dungan and Swifts have Ards and Linfield are at home against Warren Point Town. Um, I've maybe slightly editorialised there, Keith, in some of the ones that I think are good, but what do you think? It's not an amazing draw, is it? It's not one that you really get... There he is! Down, but there's, a, there's, only <laughs> one, there's only one all-premiership tie, and that's, that's Carrick Rangers and Balmina, um, which could be all right. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily... 
the most exciting tie, but no, there isn't really a standout game in that draw, if we're being honest. I think the uh, I mean, the, the Bell Tower offices at the moment, I think we'll be scratching our heads to find what, what the league game is, and I'm sure it'll be the same for Radio Ulster. You know, it isn't really, there isn't really a standout there. Um, but, you know, you never really know if the Arch Cup can can spring the old surprise here or there, so, so maybe we'll get a shock somewhere, but... Um, yeah, you weren't really coming away from that draw going, wow, I can't wait for the first Saturday in, uh, in January for those games. I think you're right. You can you can pretty much predict who you think is going to win all of those matches. The match where you maybe just wonder is Corey and Lockall. I know Corey are in a, a little good patch at the moment and they're, they're starting to look more like what the glimpses that they showed us maybe... Um, certainly that result against Cliftonville is a huge lift for them being in the final once again of the Bet McLean Cup which we're going to talk about in a wee moment but Lockall have impressed me what I've seen of them and you just wonder might they be able to get a, a scalp here they've already beaten Premiership opposition as we know I'm right in saying it's at the showgrounds yes yeah mm, not so sure I think if that game was at Lakeview then it might be a different conversation but I think Corian could have too much for them um, on the showgrounds at home with home advantage uh, I think the smaller team really to pull off a shock usually needs to have home advantage it's pretty rare that a championship team goes to a premiership ground and wins um, so Rockall have been genuinely really impressive I think they're they're one of the best teams I've seen in the championship in a few years uh, that doesn't mean they're going to go to Corey and win on the, the fifth round of the Irish Cup I know I, I would, would fancy uh, I would fancy Corey in for that one and, and Corey are probably a club he would see this as an opportunity to go on a, a good cup run this year so um, I'm getting yeah I would say that that would be a, a good chance uh, for Coleraine to progress Okay maybe maybe not like all fans I did try for you um, the Bet McLean Cup semi-finals uh, two very different stories what about Glentor and Linfield the Glens were walloped Yeah I mean it was it was very one-sided I, I watched the uh, the YouTube coverage with your your commentary on it, uh, Michael, on it was uh, it was interesting. You could hear a few signs coming through from the <laughs> the big stand at the Oval. Obviously, Mick McDermott was getting a bit of stick. I feel we're well worth that they dominated the game, and it was a a poor day um, for for the Glens. And they've had a bit of a a blip. I think it's too soon to call the crisis by a long way. But five you know, defeats and seven are resurgent. Pardon? Five defeats and seven. Yeah, no, it's not great, is it? Um, be interesting to see what happens over the, the festive period. And of the other game, what did you think about that? All the way to penalties, Corian fighting back twice against the holders, Matthew Shevlin the hero, and then uh, to penalties it went, and they were able to get the job done. Yeah, it was a really, um, it was a really entertaining game by all accounts. I was watching the other one, of course, but um, yeah, I think a, a great game by all accounts. There's not much between those two teams in general. They, they often have. Exciting clashes, as we saw in the League Cup final last year. Um, on this occasion, it's Coleraine that uh, that progressed, and I think that they'll have enjoyed that, considering the, the heartbreaking manner in which they lost the, the final last year. And we know now, uh, well, the, the Bet McLean Cup was always going to be a Sunday final, I think, again, after last year's success. The Irish Cup, as we intimated in a conversation a while ago, Keith, in this programme, is going to be a Sunday. Uh, what's the reaction been like to that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a positive thing. I don't think there was really an alternative. I think we all recognise that the King's Coronation is going to be a big event and they couldn't go ahead on that Saturday. You couldn't bring it forward a Saturday because it would mess with the league fixtures. You couldn't move it back a Saturday because it would mess with the end season European playoff. Friday night was considered. It was ruled out because of, um, you know, it, it, it... might the Irish Cup might lose something? The Irish Cup final day might lose something if we had a Friday night game. Um, you know, fans want to enjoy it as a day, and you kind of lose a wee bit of that if you're you're going straight from work. Um, so they they opted for the Sunday, and I think it's a sensible choice. I think it'll be a good occasion. So now, final question for you, Keith, um, and always thanks for your time today. Who do you think will get a bigger turnout on their final? Will it be the IFA or the Northern Ireland Football League? Well, this is it, and I, I quite enjoy these conversations. There was a bit of uh, <laughs> boasting going on from Niffle offices last year with the fantastic crowd they had at their game, and, uh, and it was great, no doubt about it. Um, listen, I do think the crowd that you get at 
those cup finals is hugely dependent on the teams that make it. Um, Linfield and Coleraine will be a fantastic crowd. Will the Irish Cup final be bigger? Depends who's in it. So Linfield and Glentoran, it will be. If it's if it's Ards and Carrick Rangers, it won't be. So yeah, it, it depends who makes it. Be quite happy if it was Ards and Carrick Rangers personally, but that's uh, nobody asked me. Uh, Keith, <laughs> great, great to talk to you. I'm sure you'd be more than pleased as well, my friend. Oh, I'd be delighted. <laughs> Fond memories of the uh, 2008 Seal and Suns Cup final. Oh, I, we wouldn't be getting on so well um, on that particular day, but there we are. Uh, thanks for coming on to the score. Thanks, Michael. Cheers. The score with Michael Clark. Well, if any Ballymena United fans were worried about what this season would have in store, maybe, just maybe, you're starting to feel a little bit better about things after some of your recent results. What a performance against Cliftonville. But we'll come on to that. Let's first welcome our next guest on to the programme. He is the captain of the Sky Blues, Josh Kelly. A welcome return to you, sir. Good to have you on the show again. Thanks very much, Michael, for having me, mate. It's good to talk to you, and I'm sure you are on cloud nine after that display against Cliftonville. I mean, it, it wasn't, you know, just a good win. It was an unbelievable team performance. Yeah, no, as you say, it was, it was really good. Um, but uh, as this season has sort of taught most of the Balmina team uh, not to get too high with the highs and too low with the lows because uh, football can, can change fairly quickly, but we've... We've been enjoying the last, I would say, you know, three or four weeks. I think we've sort of turned a turned a wee corner from probably the Crusaders game you could go back to. Um, maybe you can go back to the Newry game, but obviously we got beat by them in midweek. But I think for the last sort of four or five weeks, we've um, we've had a pretty settled side, settled formation. You know, sort of gelling a wee bit, and I think that's uh, that's proven in the results. Is that what it just comes down to? Do you think getting a a bit more consistency in terms of being able to pick the same players match to match? Yeah, I mean that that's probably a, a multitude of things like that. That's obviously um, obviously a big thing to it. I think we've you know welcomed a few back. Like I said, Dougie Dougie Wilson was out with a long term injury and stuff, and then you know I think our injury list at the minute's only sort of you know two or three players, which at the start of the season, it was, you know, maybe double that. Um, so, like, like Sandy McGrory and stuff coming back. Uh, I know we lost Evan Tweed with that at Carrick, but um, I think sort of the likes of Balamina and, you know, that's the sort of middle ground teams that maybe don't have a massive squad sort of need to keep need to keep everyone fit because then, you know, in turn, keeping everyone fit means training's quality's going going up because everyone wants to get in the team and you know the knock-on effects of that sort of um taking into Saturday which is you know if you're training better and you know there's a a good healthy competition that's that's sort of improving performances and I think that's you know part of the reason why we've managed to turn it around that second half in particular, you know, that's where three of the goals came from. At halftime, you've got a one nil lead. What's being said at that stage against Cliftonville? Yeah, it's, it's funny, actually, because I think I actually think we played better in the first half than we did in the second half, but we scored three goals in the second half. <laughs> um, first half, I, I thought we I thought we dominated Cliftonville. I don't really, can't really think the odd chance or two, but I thought we're, you know, um, physically better and, and played better better football in the first half and then second half I thought you know they dominated the ball and we sort of hit them on the counter um, for two of the goals in, in quick succession and then they got one back obviously and um, uh, we sort of hit them on the break for the fourth but you know it was it was a definitely a good win and you know something we can build on and what should we be more surprised at? The fact that Kim Nelson scored again or that uh, you're in amongst the goals again? Uh, I, think, I think you should be more surprised that I scored, probably. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, um, that's something that we've been sort of working on. You know, one one of the plays, obviously, three five two, and the one of the midfielders, it was sort of Evan the last couple of weeks and then Stevie McCulloch on Saturday just sort of sitting and then sort of allowing me and Kim to giving us a license to go forward. So it's good to see it sort of paying off and 
um, in the goals and on Saturday. And I want to make sure we mention Davy McDade. His first goal, the touch on that initially to control it before he goes around the keeper and scores. Just a lovely thing to see. But you, you see what he's provided with the assists in that game as well before he goes in. I mean, the, the his second goal, it's just a good striker's goal in the right place and, and able to apply the finish. But uh, it just looked like he was a man possessed on Saturday. Uh, if he's able to do that with any consistency, he'll enjoy a few more games like that soon. Yeah, I think Davey's uh, sort of proved, well, he, he doesn't really have anything to prove. And, you know, he's done it over the years, but he, he pr- I think he's proved over the last four or five weeks the quality um, that he has. Um, I think he's been probably our best player the last, well, probably from the start of the season anyway. Um, but the last four or five weeks, I think he's been, he's been sort of the catalyst for our, you know, upturned form. And uh, his, goal, his first goal on Saturday, especially, it was, um, you know, just that piece of brilliance, quick feed. Uh, I think his first touch round, round Johnny Alice was brilliant, and then take it, take it round the keeper was just, you know, shows the composure in the box. There's something about seeing an attacking player playing with that sort of swagger. It looked like he got that. I daren't say back. I don't mean that he lost it. You you know where I'm coming from. It just looked like he was kind of really settled in that game. You saw him, you know, shrugging people off the ball. It looked like he had more time than he did at times. He just looked like he was in a a place mentally where he was always going to win his battles, um, and then he was able to reap the benefits from it. Yeah, I think you know you can sort of point the um, the last three or four weeks the the results have sort of give us as a team um, more confidence, and I think the results have obviously um, and performance of of performances of Davy have give him more confidence, and he's seen that you know probably to its fullest extent on Saturday. Um, as you say, you know his whole his overall performance on Saturday was well well deserving of the man of the match, and you know the stats don't lie. He got two assists, two goals, so you know he's. As everyone's been saying, he was brilliant on Saturday. In terms of where you've come from this season, it's no secret that there was a lot of pressure on early doers. Results weren't going well. The manager was being asked about what he thought about things, what he thought about staying on or making a decision otherwise. There's been, I guess, a lot for the players to deal with, not just the injuries that you've mentioned. How do, how has that taken its toll on you as captain and, and how have you kept persevering to get to a point now where you feel like you might be turning a corner yeah it's probably been quite tough actually um, you know dealing with the things that were happening at the start of the season I think it's been quite a quite a turbulent time you know at the club just you know the likes of Don Sterling passing, passing away obviously um, and then the chairman resigning you know it's just just wee things like that obviously um, has you know affected the the club, but taking on you know captaincy, you just sort of focus on on the on field things, and you know we've had a whenever the results weren't really going our way at the start of the season, we had probably two or three you know frank frank sort of honest discussions, and uh, because every I know everyone in that change room wants to do well, and um, you know despite some of the things that you know maybe common social media and stuff like you know when you're being questioned about that you know, I know within within our change room that everyone wants to do well and it wasn't going well at the start of the season so uh, everyone was trying to do their best to fix that you know there's some great characters in the change room you know Sean O'Neill uh, Ross Redmond have been around around the Irish League for years and we're all trying to strive to do our best for Balmina and thankfully we're now seeing, you know, the sort of the fruits of that um, hard work and, you know, determination to turn it around because I think we sort of have turned it around. Um, but as I said at the start uh, of the interview, you know, you never get, try and never get too down with the lows and never too up with the highs. Like it's just sort of trying keeping it at a level playing field and just going from, from week to week as big of a, cliche as it is well the personalities certainly help I was laughing at Sean O'Neill's interview after the Carrick Rangers victory where he was 
maybe tongue-in-cheek suggesting that he had told his better half it was a late kickoff just so we could enjoy a bit of a you know a celebration with the boys after the game and this whilst uh, a new baby's uh, been born and congratulations to the family <laughs> so he was saying yeah a few sleepless nights let's uh leave her to that for a couple of hours more whilst i enjoy this win <laughs> yeah <laughs> um a big personality like that uh, in the dressing room uh what is it like to, to to play with him and to have him around yeah, I think he's been going to Nando's uh, every night after dinner there, just so he doesn't have to get home. <laughs> um, but uh, no, she, I think everyone knows, you know, if you've been in the Irish League uh, over the last sort of sort of decade, you know, you would know what Sean O'Neill's like. He's a brilliant character um, in the change room, just you know, just so honest and you know. Really good to have in the team. We demand standards off everyone and um, and training, and then obviously has that you know light-hearted, uh, really good sense of humour side, and that you also need in a, in a change room. And I think obviously you see you see that in the interviews that he does. So you know he's a big big personality in our change room. Yeah, he said to me afterwards because I shared that it was Balamina United TV had done the interview and I shared it on social media. And he says I really hope she doesn't see that. So <laughs> uh, I I don't know. I might have got him in trouble uh, mentioning on the radio. Probably doesn't help either. But there we are. Um, you know, looking at the league table now, you've a game in hand over the teams either side of you. If you like Corian and Carrick Rangers, and seventh place. That's a lot nicer looking than where it was a few weeks ago. Now you can't get carried away because Glenavon are three points behind you and you've, you know, half a season, just over half a season still to play for. But uh, sitting there now, does that give you that a wee bit of added belief, I guess, that European football or at least the playoff spot for European football is attainable, maybe compared to how you felt a month or two ago? Yeah, I don't, I don't think that... Uh, uh for the sort of goal, the overall goal for the season had changed, you know, regardless of if we lost a few or if we won a few. Um, we still want, no matter what, we still want to at least hit seventh, you know, because obviously it gives you the opportunity for Europe. And, you know, that that is ultimately our goal, um, to try and get a uh, qualification for Europe, whether it be through the league or, or through the Irish Cup. Um and you know, hopefully, we can, you know, have a strong second half of the season to maybe try and push into the top six or, or either consolidate the seventh um, position and give ourselves just the best opportunity to be in the European playoffs come the end of, end of the season. And we know this time of year, everyone gets excited and counts down the days to Boxing Day. This year, you're away from home against Cole Rain. Um, before that, you've learned, but first and foremost, this weekend, you're away to Portadown, who went to Newry and put in a performance that maybe people would say is long overdue from them this season. I'm sure their fans have felt it's long overdue, so you wonder if you might be in for a sterner challenge at Shamrock Park with a wee bit of added belief there now too with them. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's, there's no... Another cliche is it is there's no real easy game in, in the Irish League, especially you know going away to Portadown uh, at Shamrock Park, regardless of their league position. Um, you know, obviously Niall Curry's had, I think maybe a, mo- a month with the team now, um, so obviously he'll be implementing the ideas, formations, players, that, you know that that he wants in. Um, so with under no illusions that it's. You know, it's going to be a, a tough test down there um, in the middle of December. Like, so we're just going down there to to give of our best and try and get three points as, as we're doing every game. Because looking at this, I'm thinking, gosh, the next three Balamina United games, if you're a, a United fan, it could be amazing. It could be it could be absolute torture because it's going to be great atmospheres. Portadown always have a very strong support. Balamina mm-hmm. United, you'd like to think, will travel in numbers to that one. Lauren, that's the Shane Hill Derby, so you've got that whole thing going. And then Corian is the Derby, if you're Balamina okay. United. So, I mean, there, there's plenty to be excited about. Does that translate to you as as a player? Does that Do you look at those games and do they have that same magic 
for you as they would do for the supporters? Yeah, they definitely do. I think, obviously, as a, as a player, you sort of, um, what's the word, sort of tailor your excitement a wee bit. You know, obviously, the fans are, you know, allowed to get carried away. That's what that's what they're there for, you know, for <laughs> big stuff there. They're allowed to get as excited as one word. As players, we sort of just have to focus on, you know, um, the tactics and, you know, make sure you're the best shape possible to try and win a game of football regardless of really who it's against but obviously that you know the derby sort of add a wee bit of a, a bit of spice to it but um, no looking forward to the next next three games but not looking ahead of, ahead of Saturday anyway and it's always that one that I'm sort of going at least the way the fixtures have fallen this year uh, with Christmas being on a Sunday you know the, the Boxing Day game is a Monday so you, you get like that week spread between the games your Saturday, Friday, Monday um, a bit kinder than previous seasons where you're having to try and play you know, three games in, in under a fortnight or anything like that so you've a, a bit of breathing space um, before we look at I suppose the you know, the, the schedule then because it's Monday to Monday from Boxing Day to the, the 2nd of January for your next game which is against Glen Torrens so it's a bit more spread out does it allow you to have a bit more of a normal Christmas is I guess what I'm trying to get to some years that's just not possible yeah I mean, it does, actually looking at the fixtures, it did, I was looking at them the last couple of weeks, and it does feel like there's not, like there's maybe a game missing somewhere. Um, <laughs> like normally, the last couple of Chris, or last couple of over the winter period, feels like you're playing, you know, a game every three days, up until, until you're into, into January, like, so, no, it does feel that there's a bit, it's a bit more spaced out, and, you know, obviously, the, you know, I'll just have the, a usual Christmas, like really. Um, what's a, what's a usual Christmas? Because for me, it's eating what I want, you know, and for everyone else, drinking what they want as well. And uh, for a player, clearly not. Uh, I'll, I mean, I'll not be drinking what I want, but I'll, <laughs> I'll be having a Christmas dinner. There'll be no doubt about that. Um, I'll not be turning down a Christmas dinner. Oh uh, uh, no! Just, I'll just have probably Christmas Day, just the usual breakfast, and then have a Christmas dinner and. I'll not be uh, opening up my selection boxes or anything like that. I'll keep that for boxing night. What's your usual breakfast? You've made me intrigued now. Do you have something special on Christmas morning? Uh, no, I'm going to... I don't even know what I'm going to... I think I'll probably have uh, maybe some sort of cooked breakfast, but not not a full fry or anything like Yeah, he's, he's, he's twigged. His manager could be listening there, folks. Yeah, he'll, yeah, he'll be having cornflakes. <laughs> Uh, Josh, great to have you on the programme Uh, well I hope you have a great festive fixture list, Um, certainly plenty for the fans to get their teeth into and um, well you've made everybody hungry now thinking about your lovely cooked meals in uh, a couple of weeks time but for now, thanks very much for coming on to the show No problem Michael, thank you The Score with Michael Clark. We are almost at the end of the programme but we always have time for this man, Matthew Tipton, the arts manager, joins us on the programme now. How are you, sir? I'm very good, Michael. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I enjoyed uh, your company recently. Obviously, we were sharing commentary duty together, but we're not here to throw roses at one another. We're here to, to talk about your team, Ards, uh, with Adam Sally winning Player of the Month. I guess you're doing okay. Yeah, we've had a, I suppose, you know, up and down all from the outside looking in, it's probably been up and down, but I've been fairly pleased with the progress we've been making. You know, we're on an, an upward trajectory. Um, you know, we brought a lot of players in in the summer, let a lot go, and took us a little, you know, probably six weeks to really find any rhythm, and, and we were up and down then. But, you know, I think performance-wise, we've been really pleased probably through October, November, and obviously this month, uh, the start of this month. There. And, yeah, Adam capped it off, you know, player of the month for November, but... Even for October, it could have been him himself or Eamon Scannell. Uh, being honest, you know, Eamon was super. I think he's got in every game, including the hat-trick. Um, I might be wrong, the hat-trick might have been in November, but he'd, he'd performed really well, and I was surprised that he, he didn't get it, you know, the previous month. But then Adam, you know, continued his form right the way through November, and, and we're delighted with him. Well, he seems to be delighted at Ards. Um, a no-brainer, I would have thought, for you to bring him in on loan when that opportunity arose. Yeah, look, we, we you know we we look around. We we're always keeping an eye on you know Adam's obviously a player I know, and when I realised things were really working out from a part down, I 
spoke to the chairman and, and got him to make contact with Porter Down and then, you know, we got permission to speak to him. And it, look, it took a little bit longer than what we wanted, just the way that these things, you know, these things work. We, ideally, we'd have got him in right at the beginning of, you know, at the end of pre-season, beginning of the season, kicking off. But it took a little while. And look, and it probably took Adam six or eight weeks then to get going. It was until October before he really got going because he hadn't had a pre-season. He hadn't played any minutes during pre-season or very little minutes anyway. I know he definitely hadn't had a full game um, it, when he started for us. That was his first full game since uh, the playoff games at the end of last season, uh, You know, which isn't ideal going into September. But, you know, we, we dealt with that and, and he's, you know, he seems to be thriving. Um, I know I read his piece in the paper, you know, when he was saying I'd played him wide right, you know, previously and he, he thought I was crazy, but he scored plenty of goals where now, you know, he's that out and out centre forward. There was reasoning behind me playing him out there when I first took the job at Portdown. Um, you know, I felt we would get more from him. And we played a system where Lee Bonus was banging him in down the middle. So obviously, you know, we want both of them in the team, but we didn't feel certainly we could get, you know, we we felt we had more attacking threat with four forwards on the pitch with him being on the right, Chris Lavery on the left, and then whoever it was in behind, be it Stephen Taggart or whoever it was there. So I understood that he was frustrated he didn't get to play centre forward, and he's playing there now, and, you know, he's proving what a good striker he is currently. And Ards fans will be wondering, are you going to be able to keep a hold of him? Are Portadown going to recall him? Is another team going to come in for him and, and do a you know, permanent bit of business, whether it be now or in the summer? Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, all of them questions. It's <laughs> out of my hands. Adam wants to stay with us. There's no doubt about that. You know, I've spoken to him, you know, numerous times about it, about the situation. Um, it's out of my hands. So we'll, we'll just appreciate what we're getting um, from now the rest of the month. Um, I think Adam's made his feelings clear on what he wants to do. Um, but that's an issue between him and Porter Down. Um, we, we, you know, we'll deal with it as and when we need to. Looking at the league table, uh, at the moment in time, you are fifth. You are just yep. two points behind Warren Point Town. You got a great victory over them recently as well. You're just four points behind Dundella in third. And you know what it's like. Uh, a couple of games and uh, you can be heroes or villains very quickly. Uh, teams right over your shoulder as well in Ballyclare and, and Ballina Mallard. So um, you'll obviously be hoping you can continue to climb. What's realistic for Ards this season? We just want to keep doing what we're doing. Um, we're progressing. Um, like I said earlier in the conversation, it is, you know, it's a new squad. And that's not an excuse for where we are or where we'll end up. It's just the realities of football. We, You know, we, I'm new into the job as well. Um, and I'm a lot more... Um, realistic now, I suppose, you know, when I was a younger manager, when I first was in the championship with Warren Point that year, you know, I could only see um, success at that stage was winning the league. And same as when I went to Portadown, where now I'm looking and going, yeah, well, it might take, you know, it might take a little bit longer to get that success, um, you know, at ads because they've been in the championship a little bit longer. Uh, there's a whole numerous reasons behind it, different things that happen. But I'm looking now to keep progressing, keep moving this up the table. Look, a run of games, a run of results, and I don't see why we couldn't be pushing, you know, Anna and uh, Dundallery are in second and third now. You know, we, we had a good result at Warren Point. We didn't follow it up last week with what we wanted, whilst it was a really good performance. And, you know, if you spoke to anybody at Institute, as, as we did at halftime at the end of the game, we could have been four or five up. We can see the sloppy goal, and then we just couldn't get that, you know, the winning goal after we equalised. Um, look, these things happen in football. We've we got to go now. We have a big game on Saturday against Newington. They beat us uh, six weeks ago or so, a uh, month ago. And we know what they're about. You know, they've had a really good result at Dundalla last week or two weeks ago uh, on a Friday night. We went and watched them and they, and they were really good that night. So we've got to be, you know, 100% on our guard and make sure that we're ready um, and, and just keep trying to churn out them three points and see where it takes us. With matches like that, you probably do feel like you owe them one. Does that come into the team talk or do you have to take you know take that out of it for your players and, and just keep them at whatever you set out for the night if that makes sense or for the afternoon uh, that's one thing I've never ever said in any of my team talks we owe them all and we don't owe anybody anything um, we play to get three points every week regardless who we're playing against um, it, we didn't get them that day I can't go back in time to get them back so no we don't owe them anything um, what, what our focus is on what we, we're doing going forward and we've got to win um, it, it was it was a bugbear of mine as a player when managers used to say, "Oh, we owe these one or whatever," you know, whichever way they worded it. 
should have done the business on that day. You know, we can't get it back now, so we, we look forward and we make sure we get three points this coming game. Very interesting. Um, for anyone that hasn't seen uh, Ards this season, um, you know, what would you say about the squad that you've had? You said you you know you've gone and you've brought a few faces in. So uh, tell us sort of the players you're working with uh, if people haven't been keeping an eye on the championship and um, and what they can expect if they were to go and you know maybe keep an eye on you from from now on or have a, a wee game over Christmas if people are coming back home. Well, goals would be one. Where I think we're the highest scorers in the league, but also, you know, we're one of the worst defensive records. So we're certainly scoring plenty, but we're, you know, we're conceding, and, and that's something you know, obviously, we're trying to work on um, currently. In terms of players in the squad, Alex Moore we brought in from Linfield. Obviously, he was on loan at Dungannon last year. He played a few against Linfield, won the league there. Young goalkeeper, Greg Hall, will be well known around the league. You know, I was surprised when he was let go by Portadown, and as soon as that happened. You know, it was the first phone call I made straight to him uh, to bring him in with Johnny Taylor. Um, you know, he's been about the league, obviously, Glenn Torren and, and Balamina. Uh, he was at ads previously and, and, and left, and, and we brought him back. I suppose people like were there, Cricky Crane, who I work with at Portadown and done well for me there when we won the championship, and he's doing really well this season at left back. Colonel Young's been playing. Paddy Cafola was our player of the year last year. Real exciting centre midfielder gets around the pitch, good ability on the ball. Ethan Taggart was somebody we brought in from Deriaki, who we'd been keeping an eye on uh, previously, and, and he's been really good so far this year. Eamon Scanella, I suppose, has been about the league. We had him at Portdown. You know, he, I came in, he was already at Ards. Um, when I came in, and he's been super so far. I think he's on 10 or 11 goals. Adam, who we spoke about, Ross Hunter, has come in from Glenavon, a young lad. Again, been doing really well, scored seven or eight goals and has been a real live wire for us. We missed his energy, I suppose, last week because he was, he was ill. Um, so, yeah, in a nutshell, that's pretty much what the team's been. There's others that people will know TJ Murray's been about uh, the league, the Irish League, for, for a good few years. He's currently captain. Uh, and we're, we're really pleased with what we've got, you know, the, the nucleus of the squad there. Um, and, you know, no doubt we'll be looking in January maybe to add one or two in. I have no doubt that you would be uh, looking to do that. Uh, after Newington, you've Dergview, and then just briefly, Boxing Day, you're an early kickoff. Was it a hard sell for Knockbreeder to move it to 12 o'clock? No, no, um, to be honest, it's at Knockbreeder, so, you know, it's their call. Ultimately, we had a conversation about it, and, and the day we played them um, up there, I think it just been announced that Linfield and Glen Torren were playing at 2 o'clock, you know, and it was going to be on the TV, and and I think they were maybe looking, going, oh, they might have got a couple of fans that would have maybe gone, you know what I mean, done the mm. both games, um, whatever way. Or, you know, then they were thinking, well, how could we maybe get a few of the, you know, I suppose the floating fans in? And I said, look, we're, we're open to an earlier kickoff, uh, if that suits. And, and you might get people that might come for the first half of our game and then go on to watch that. Or they might come to watch our game and stay on, you know, and watch it on the t- television in their clubhouse. So... You know, I think the both boards then had a discussion. From my point of view, I, I thought it was better for the players because we will be training Christmas Eve. Obviously, they'll get Christmas Day to spend with the family. But, you know, knowing they've got a game the next day, they'll be, you know, not really be able to let themselves go at all. Which, you know, it comes with a, it comes with a job. We understand that. But we also have to appreciate that family time's uh, really good for them. And we thought if they kick off at 12, you know, finished and showered and changed quarter past two, they could be potentially sitting down for a second dinner, three o'clock on Boxing Day and, and maybe get that day to spend with their family and friends. And, you know, I, I don't see any harm in it. I think it, it could be good. I think then it also enables fans of both clubs to get there early and do the same likewise to them, get get to spend the rest of their boxing with their family and friends. There you go. So if you don't mind a wee bit of an earlier start on Boxing Day, you could actually take in a bit of extra football. So it's on the menu for you if you uh, if you fancy that. Just uh, finally, Matthew, because you do keep an eye on the Premiership and, and you know um, all the twists and, and everything that's going to be in store, I'm sure, for the teams coming up. What have you made of it so far? You know, the, the Bet McLean Cup played earlier this week. Uh, Glen Torrent going through a wobble. You know, heavily beaten by Linfield there, uh, flying up the table. Crusaders, nobody seems to be talking about. Larner still in top spot. What have you made of the Premiership title race this year? It's as competitive as ever, isn't it? Um, at Linfield and Glentoran, you never one more one game away from a crisis. And, and obviously that's shown now, Glentoran, the, 
fantastic start, start, didn't they? They didn't concede a goal for all of them. They were going to break all the records. And they've hit a wobble over the last you know month or so. But they, they'll come back strong. Linfield, have, uh, they've no chance. They were nowhere, weren't they? You know, it was a disaster, <laughs> the worst season in the history. A month ago now, they've won a string of games. Obviously, I know they drew with Crusaders two weeks ago. Um, but now they're sitting in third. Crusaders have done very well. Um, good, strong team. You know, you look at it full of experience. A few injuries, yet they're still picking up the results. And I think if you look, the, the, the draw at Windsor Park when they had Philip Lowry playing centre-half, Gary Thompson right back, Decky Cadell coming out of retirement, it shows <laughs> what they've got as a squad. And and if you look at Lamb, you know, last week, obviously, we did the commentary and, and they weren't great. They were poor, being honest. Um, but they ground it out. They managed to nick a 1-0 win. And, and that's a sign, as they say, of a good team. You know, this week, they'll have Lee Bonus back, Mark Randall potentially, um, Sean Want. So they'll now be looking to kick on again, you know, for the next month, but there'll be many more twists and turns. And without being boring, if anybody finishes above Linfield wins it for me. I still fancy them to come strong from now till the end of the season. Uh, and, it, and it'll take a, a real good and strong team to knock them off winning the league. There we go. Heading into a few festive crackers. Tippy's gone early with his prediction. Who are you backing? You can let us know across socials, the score and I. But Matthew, thank you as always for coming on to the programme. Brilliant, thank you very much. The score with Michael Clark. Arts boss Matthew Tipton there joining us on the score. Thank you to Matthew, thank you to Ballymena United Captain Josh Kelly, to Keith Bailey and Michael O'Neill. Not a bad lineup today, folks, was it? Uh, thank you so much for your company as well. It's always great to have you on board. I hope you'll join us again, same place, same time, next week. But until then. All that remains to be said is enjoy your weekend of sport. Bye-bye.